This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. This is absurd, absolutely absurd, as well as completely dishonest, and also underlines the terrible, catastrophic failures of the media that we currently have. Now, David Cameron used to be Prime Minister of the UK, which he put in a sterling performance, that is, if your thing is an unprecedented squeeze in living standards, wrecking public services, trashing the National Health Service. Good job we didn't end up with a once-in-a-century global health emergency, given that particular context, and leaving a glistening legacy of never-ending political turmoil. If that's your bag, then my word, did the big DC pull all that off with considerable aplomb? It certainly left me thinking, can't wait to see what gets his little mitts on next. Oh, he's now Foreign Secretary. And with the world in the state it's in, what could possibly go wrong? Now, last week, as I covered in an earlier video, he accidentally confessed to Israeli war crimes by declaring he wanted Israel to restore the water supply to northern Gaza, thereby admitting they'd cut it off and that they had the power to turn it back on, but were clearly refusing to do so. Straightforward war crime. Now, on Sky News, this is clearly what the interviewer began by referring to, although he doesn't even bother to follow it up. Let's just have a little listen, shall we? This week you suggested to the Parliamentary uh, Committee that Israel might be guilty of war crimes. Um, I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't say that. Uh, well, OK, let me ask you this yeah. way then. Did, do you agree with the South Africans that Israel has a case to answer before the International Court of Justice? No, I absolutely don't. I think the South African action is, is wrong. I think it's unhelpful. I think it shouldn't be happening. Now, of course, you know, I'm not a lawyer, but they are talking here about genocide. They're taking this um, case on, on the basis of genocide. And, you know, to prove that, you've got to, improve, you've got to prove that there, there was intent. Now... You know, I take the view that, that Israel is acting in self-defence after the appalling attack on the 7th of October. But even if you take a different view to my view, um, to look at Israel, a democracy, a country with the rule of law, a country with armed forces that are committed to obeying the rule of law, it's... to say that they have, that that country, that leadership, that armed forces, that they have the intent to commit genocide, I think that is nonsense. I think that's wrong. But, and I, I, I but you can't know that. You can only judge on the basis of what they've done. Yeah, you can judge. You, you can judge, though, on the basis of what they have done and how they've acted and why they're acting. And to say there's an intent to commit genocide, I do believe that's wrong. All right. Okay. Just to circle back to what I said at the start, why didn't the interviewer pin David Cameron down on war crimes? There, you can't just go. Last week, you suggested at a parliamentary committee that Israel might be guilty of war crimes, then let your interviewee just go. Oh, I didn't actually and then let it go. What the hell was that about? Pin him down on it. Yes, by making clear Israel had deliberately cut off water to civilians, David Cameron clearly confessed to Israeli war crimes. That's what you're referring to. So you know that. An interviewer should have responded by making that clear. And if David Cameron did, as he keeps doing his whole, oh, I'm not a lawyer, shtick, that was 
after all his defence in the parliamentary committee, then you should go, uh, Lord Cameron, you've had time since that committee to check international law on that particular one. And unless you're a completely incompetent waste of space, in which case you shouldn't be foreign secretary, then you should know that cutting off water to civilians is a very basic violation of international humanitarian law. And in terms of collective punishment, a violation of Article 33 of the Geneva Convention and Article 4 of the Additional Protocol 2, which was added to the Geneva Convention in 1977. As you probably note, I'm not Foreign Secretary. I know this. So why can't a journalist, aware of the fact that David Cameron clearly had accidentally confessed that Israel committed war crimes, why can't they pin him down on it? Just do your job. If I sound angry and frustrated, clearly I am. Whether or not the British government is knowingly supporting and arming a foreign government engaging in serious war crimes is clearly a matter of huge political and public interest. Okay, I got that off my chest. I can now calm down. I can't actually, because he's allowed to get away with a lot more crap than that. So he goes on to dismiss South Africa's action as wrong, unhelpful, shouldn't be happening. He does this, I'm not a lawyer shtick. And his basis for rebutting this, first of all, is that Israel is a democracy, a country with a rule of law, with armed forces committing to obeying the rule of law. Goodness me. Very straightforward question to David Cameron there. Let's just take the West Bank. Is the Israeli occupation of the West Bank, the longest belligerent occupation in modern times, a democracy as regards the three million Palestinians living there? Do the three million Palestinians have voting rights in the state occupying them? What's the answer there? No. Do they have basic civil rights, right to free assembly, association, expression? No. Do they have the rule of law? Let's just go through that, shall we? They're denied the right to equal treatment without regard to race, religion, or national identity. There are 700,000 Israeli settlers illegally occupying land in the West Bank, living in 279 illegal settlements, a straightforward violation of international law. They face repeated brutality at the hands of Israeli troops, including being seriously injured, but also killed repeatedly. So before the 7th of October 2023, last year, around 240 Palestinians in the West Bank were killed. Dozens of them were children. The number killed has massively increased since. They also detained thousands of Palestinians, often without charge, including children who were incarcerated with widespread allegations of torture, which the charity uh, Save the Children has alleged, includes sexual and physical abuse of those children. For the Palestinians of the West Bank, Israeli rule is obviously not a democracy. It is experienced as a dictatorship. What of Gaza? Now, we're frequently told that the Israeli occupation of Gaza ended in 2005 when 21 Israeli settlements were dismantled and soldiers vacated. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. 
If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. But Gaza was placed under the longest belligerent siege of modern times, with a total control over what goes in and out. With Israel retaining control of airspace and sea, Israel banned from using either, Israel retained even control of the electromagnetic spectrum, even the civil registry, which is why the United Nations, before the latest horror, considered Gaza to be under, legally speaking, continued Israeli occupation. Furthermore, in each of the pre-2023 Israeli onslaughts against Gaza, Human rights organizations such as Amnesty International, Human Rights Watch, and the Israeli human rights organization Betzlem have all confirmed widespread and repeated war crimes. For the occupied territories, there is no democracy, no rule of law, no human rights for Palestinians. And Israel itself repeatedly flouts international law in its treatment of those occupied territories. As for the army, well, notwithstanding the massive documented war crimes of the IDF, let's just listen to what the former top army lawyer said to hear a flavour of their approach. He declared in October, if you want to destroy Hamas, then you have to destroy Gaza because everything in Gaza, almost every building there, is a stronghold of Hamas. Okay, there's two other points here. Israel, Lord Cameron states, is simply acting in self-defence. Now, again, I've always been clear in my condemnation of the atrocities, the serious grave war crimes committed by Hamas and other armed groups on the 7th of October. That does not mean you start the clock on that date and erase decades of ethnic cleansing, occupation, colonisation, apartheid, mass killing of Palestinians, state violence, torture, extrajudicial incarceration, and so on. And neither were the widely documented atrocities committed by the Tutsi Rwanda Patriotic Front after they invaded Rwanda from Uganda in 1990, including the mass slaughter of huge numbers of civilians, a justification for the genocide by Hutu extremists against Tutsis in 1994. Very different situation, of course. But what I mean by that is there's never a justification or excuse for genocide. You can't be provoked into it. No circumstances allow it. The question of self-defense does not apply to allegations, whether they be war crimes, crimes against humanity, or indeed, of course, genocide. Second point, David Cameron believes that if you're considered a democracy, then you cannot possibly commit a genocide. Well, we've already established that Israeli rule over Palestinians is not democratic. It is a dictatorship in practical terms. But there are also specific circumstances attached to Israel, granting it exceptionalism and a level of impunity other states, whatever the nature of their political systems, don't receive. Now, let's listen to Razi Gal, an Israeli-American associate professor of genocide and Holocaust studies, who I interviewed two months ago, who packs, unpacks this crucial point. Israel has impunity, the repeated attacks on Gaza. The impunity that Israel enjoys is actually baked into the international legal system from the very beginning. What do I mean? The international legal system emerged really after World War II uh, with, the, with the Holocaust clearly as a major context. And with the Holocaust, with the idea that the Holocaust, this or the other, as a unique event, as exceptional, right? Um, now, this was very important because it meant that Jews actually are unique or exceptional people. Now, that's not very uh, surprising when we think about Western, uh, the Judeo-Christian Western world, where Jews indeed play a foundational role. And the Nazis thought that Jews actually played a foundational role in this world that they wanted to destroy in order to create a Nazi 
world. So the international legal system came and you know turned this uh, Nazi portrayal on its head, and now Jews again play a positive foundational role in the Western world, and that's why the Holocaust after the 1990s and the end of the Cold War becomes this marker of Western identity because the Holocaust is unique, because Jews as a people are unique, and therefore Israel is, as a self-proclaimed Jewish state is also unique or, or exceptional. And that's really the basis of its impunity. The idea from the very beginning that Israel could commit really any crime under international law, but you know, uh, uh, certainly genocide, even though we don't have this hierarchy in international law, right, uh, became uh, really unspeakable, unimaginable, right? Now, because of the what we're seeing now, because of the explicit intent, because of the level of incitement, because of this annihilatory language in Israeli society and politics, politics and media, because of the dynamics of violence that we're all witnessing, right? 45 days, and we're all witnessing this mass slaughter, right? Uh, uh, the invasion of hospitals, starvation policies, mass killing, horrific destruction, right? I mean, Gaza now looks worse than Ukrainian cities under Russian bombardment and invasion, right? Because of all this, the system, the system of international law that is based on Israel impunity in many ways is now shaking. So that's the historical context for impunity. But the final point about intent, are you kidding me? This is the very strongest element of South Africa's case. They've got nine pages of evidence of genocidal intent, which variously include the Prime Minister referring to a biblical passage which advocates killing all men, women, children and livestock. The Israeli president declaring the entire nation is responsible, that there's no one involved civilians. The defence minister justifying cutting off all essentials of life to Gaza on the grounds they're human animals, declaring Israel will eliminate everything in Gaza, that he's lifted all restrictions on the armed forces. Ministers declaring all Gazans must leave or be deprived of water that all humanitarian aid will be stopped, calling all Palestinians Nazis, declaring Israel's reenacting the Nakba, the mass expulsion of Palestinians in 1948, calling for Gaza to be erased from the face of the earth, advocating using famine and disease to win the war, declaring there were no innocent women because they're all mothers and sisters and wives of Hamas. We could go on. It's worse than that. A new database has been set up by Law for Palestine with over 500 instances of Israeli incitement to genocide because, I'm afraid to say, the South African document is already shockingly out of date, because of atrocities, but also incitement and intent. Why didn't the interviewer mention a single example of intent, incitement, when there are so many examples, not a single example? Why not quote from the reams of evidence? If you have an interviewee dismissing a case, a very high profile case, alleging genocide against the state you, as Foreign Secretary of Government, is involved in arming and supporting, then if he's going to dismiss that very important case of huge global as well as domestic importance, then why on earth don't you put the counter argument, given he's dismissing that case, of, well, they do have nine pages setting out intent and they've set, given all these examples, and here's a couple of quotes. Now, a properly functioning media ecosystem would do all these things and consider them the basics, but they don't. And that leaves the audience, the public, ill-informed about what's happening around them about what's happening in their name. So we continue to have the site of politicians actively facilitating one of the great crimes of our age and not being scrutinised for it. Well, I think history will not be kind. Please like and subscribe. Do share this video. Do keep the show on the road on patreon.com forward slash ownjones84 and listen to the podcast I'll speak to you soon. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.